Welcome to the Dover Download Podcast, your weekly look at what's going on in Dover, what's going in in Dover, and all things Dover-related. My name is Chris Parker, and I'm the Deputy City Manager here in Dover, and I'm going to walk you through all of that, plus more. This episode of the Dover Download Podcast, we are going to continue the conversation with employees about what it's like to work for the city. We've had two long-term employees, and we will have two short-term employees, and then today is what I call the midterm employee. Uh, Patty Falconer is our newly appointed deputy director at the public library, former children's librarian, and I'm going to be joined by her today, so welcome, Patty. Thank you so much, Chris. Very happy to be here. I am happy to have you. The library has a uh, soft spot for me, and so I'm always happy to chat with people that are affiliated with the library. I'm curious, for the for the listener, if you could give us a, a little bio about yourself, how long you've been in your previous role, I guess, <laughs> how long you've been with the, the city, and uh, any background material that is relevant. I started at the Dover Public Library in January of 2016 as the children's librarian, so I've been in that role ever since. And just very recently, um, I'm honored to have the job of Deputy Library Director, which will be starting on September 25th. Previous to that, I was at the Hempstead Public Library as the children's librarian there. Uh, started out in 2004, started as a part-time position, but they realized it needed to be full-time. So a couple years later, I was full-time and loved my time there. It was a great town, but it was a small town. So I was anxious to move up to a bigger position and have, and it was just me. It was just, you know, I was the only children's librarian. So love working in Dover because I have a team of four other people working with me, and that's been a dream for me. So lots more opportunities in Dover, too, for for public outreach and just a bigger community to to work with. It's It strikes me that one of the things the library has always been on the forefront is that engagement aspect, that public responsiveness and a real desire to know your readers, know your your customer base, as it were. You, you find that to be the case? Absolutely. And we're trying even more so to do that now. We just last year did a marketing survey, which we thought would help us to reach, you know, we call them non-users. We have a really strong base of patrons that come to the library and, you know, are very loyal. But there are just so many more people in the community that still have the old mindset of library has old books. Library, you must be quiet. Library, you must be serious. And we are trying really hard to break that stereotype. And part of the way we do it is to go out into the public and try to reach people who would never think to come to the library. We've done events recently. We went to Garrison City Beer Works for Library Card Sign-Up Week. We went to Flight Coffee. We set up there for a couple hours to talk to people and, you know, sign them up for cards. We did Lickies and Chewies. We did a behind-the-scenes chocolate-making, you know, which obviously people loved. Obviously, yeah. we loved it, too. So, yeah, so that's, you know, and we also go to the schools, go to Head Start, go where basically wherever anybody invites us to come. We're at all the festivals, and which is a great way to meet, you know, yeah. 
people in the farmer's market. We do that too. So just anywhere in the community that we can think of to reach people that wouldn't normally say, hey, let's go to the library. Kathy Bowden, who is the previous director, used to always give me grief because she thought I was, and she would know better than me, but apparently I was the only one that really liked the self-checkout. Uh, <laughs> and it was because I like I, I like the efficiency of going in, grabbing my books and, and walking out. And uh, she was like, yeah, but that's the antithesis of what our librarians want to be doing. We want to be engaging with you. We want to be learning about what you're reading and making recommendations and helping you. And I said, well, Honestly, I married a librarian, so I don't need that customer service. You I have get that a built-in librarian, right. yes. But, well, and that's very true. I mean, a lot of people want that interaction. They want to, you know, have the give and take with uh, the librarians. But, again, and this is part of knowing your audience, which is what you said earlier, there are some people that want to just, they know exactly what they want. They know exactly what they need. They are crunch for time. They want to just come in and they want to do their thing and they want to get out. So I think it's all part about reading people and judging what they need and trying to, as best we can, provide the options for what they need. Have you seen the curbside pickup ebb or has it stayed flat or... Oh, it's it's done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, obviously during COVID, that was a huge thing. I mean, we offered it for a long time yeah. after that, but it was just not used. Yeah. And, and again, I think, you know, the majority of people do want to come in. Right. And they want to spend time. And that's more about what the library, especially in the children's room now, we have, we're a family place library, which is a, it's a national institution that, um, it focuses on families with kids, babies through five years old. It's saying how important spending time with kids is, uh, how important play is. It's not just about reading and the books for them and play is how children learn. So we have part of their core components is to have areas in the children's room where people can come at any time, um, and play. And meet their neighbors, which they do. So that it's more about the the spending time there rather than the the in and out, the the quick interactions. Um, well, it really shows how it's a community space and how it is. it is less retail and more communal, and it helps you build your personality and your characteristics by spending those times in that special place. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's the third, one of the third places, right, right. Um, in the community. And I love it because, you know, it sounds silly, but everything is free. I mean, I, I just think about when my kids were young and everything you did with a kid, you're spending money, right? You're just, and you're always having that battle with, oh, I want this, I want that. They come to the well, library. You had that too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> But um, this is the one place where you can come with your kids and they say, hey, I want to check out a bunch of books. Go for it. You know, it's free. They can spend time. They can play. You can come to a program and you don't have to have that, that fight. And it's equitable, right? I mean, it's, it's for all members of the community. It it's levels the playing field, so to speak, right? You know, in that regard, it is a great example of what government's supposed to do, which is be available to everyone. Absolutely. You know, and, and really, when you think about it, the library is one of the most democratic places in the mm -hmm. in this in the city. You know, has its challenges. Also, I'm not going to say it's all you know, unicorns and rainbows, right? Um, we do have our issues. So, 
And that's something we have to work on every day. You know, we say, oh, and we do welcome all members of the community, but that also comes with its challenges. So, in your time, whether with Dover or previously, what are some of the changes that jump out to you as real seismic shifts in how how you operate as a librarian? The biggest thing is it's more about the space than it is about the materials. Okay. Um, and, and and the you know the obvious shift in you know formats. You know DV no you know music CDs are gone. DVDs will be gone someday maybe sooner than rather than later audiobooks you know that kind of thing but i think it's more about the space and that's why you know we're working on a renovation um which we desperately need but what we're really thinking about i mean we obviously need the space for our materials but we are also trying to build in more meeting room spaces which people want desperately um, and, you know, small meeting rooms for, you know, tutoring groups or just a little one-on-one meeting, but also bigger. We have, you know, condo groups that meet there. Space is at a premium, and that's what people want. They also want, you know, the programs that we provide. So I'm curious, you mentioned format change. And as an adult, I can relate to the, the format shift of ebook versus paper book. Uh, I personally am a paper book in a lot of ways, though. I I enjoy my Kindle uh, to a degree, but I'm curious how, how much adoption of non-paper has there been at a children's level? Yeah, it was funny. We were just talking about that the other day. They're available. Picture books are available in a digital format and they will read them to you and, you know, they will highlight the text as you go along, which, you know, helps kids when they're learning to read. In my mind, and I think in most people's mind, there's no substitute for an actual physical paper picture book sitting down with your kids. I mean, that's the huge part of it. And that's what they talk about in family places, this one-on-one interaction with with a caring adult. I mean, if you sit your kid down with this digital format of a picture book, that really takes away, it defeats the whole purpose, really, the bonding that takes place. When you sit and read together and the interactions and the questions you can answer, I mean, you don't get any of that with the digital format. I mean, again, I agree. I mean, there is a time and a place for ebooks. I definitely favor paper books, but, you know, when I'm traveling, you take your iPad and it's so much easier. And there's obviously some good reasons for digital formats. That said, there is nothing like sitting at the beach with a, a cruddy paperback <laughs> that you're like, if it gets wet, it gets wet. And gets sand in it, it gets sand in it. I'm not going to worry about the USB-C port getting filled with sand and not being able to work in the future. Um, so I agree with you, though. In general traveling, it is nice to put seven books on a, on a device and go. Yep. I'm curious, too, and this is one of those, should we have asked this 10 minutes ago, so uh, get your mind in a little reset position here. Why children's? You, uh, when you started out, did you think uh, specifically I want to go into the children's, or is it something you experienced and then you said, okay, this is this is a much more fulfilling uh, service to be providing? No, it was always children's. I, I mean, I my degree is in elementary. My undergrad is in elementary education. Great. So I taught for a short period of time, um, and then I had my kids, and I, um, 
I volunteered in the kids' elementary um, school library and loved it, just absolutely loved it. And there's an author, Jim Trelease, his famous book is um, Reading Aloud to Children. And my kid, I have two boys, they're right now 28 and 29, so they're very close in age. And they were, you know, two boys, very active when they were young. They were, you know, I'll say they were woo, <laughs> hyperactive maybe. So I would sit down with them. They were just, you know, out of control. And I'd say, okay, guys, let's sit down and read a book. And it was, I will say, like magic. I still get, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It really was. I mean, they would just calm right down. And there was, again, that interaction between all three of us, you know. And from the time I saw that and read the book, Reading Aloud to Children, that I was like, yes, this is what I want to do, you know, and after my experience volunteering in the library. So yeah, that's when I got the, um, I started, I got the part-time job and then it just grew from there. And then I said, oh, I'm getting my degree and had to do it before the kids graduated from high school, but before they were in college. But yeah, that's that's always been that's always been my focus is kids. I mean, I uh, that being said, though, when I was in Hampstead, I mean, we're now in Dover, we're very separate, right? So I pop upstairs, obviously, every once in a while to you know and see the adults. But in Hampstead, it was such a small library that you, everybody worked the desk, and you got to interact with all ages. And I do miss that. And I think as deputy director, I'm going to really like being back with all ages. So what do you yourself read? I I'm all over the place. I I like nonfiction a lot. Right now the latest one I just took out was You Belong Here. And it's about being comf- being happy in the place you live. And the reason I took it out is because we're going to be doing a good neighbor day at the library um, September twenty eighth put a plug in for that. So and we have Red's Good Vibes food truck coming and we're going to have some community members come. We'll have activities. But yeah, it's just, um, it's about how you can, you know, it's so, everybody's so disjointed now, you know, and it just gives you ways and ideas of how. Focus yeah, on the commonalities. Exactly. And just, you know, how people are in their own little world. You know, it's just the way we are now, but how to kind of branch out. So I thought this this would be a great way to like, bring people together and say, hey, the library, we're your neighbors too, and we're part of the community. And there, There's a great study that I read maybe two years ago about how we consume music so differently that it used to be a very communal thing. You would put a record on and people would listen, or you would walk down the street with a boombox, or mm-hmm. you would have a very public display. And now we all put on our earbuds and do our thing. That's fascinating. And that we've internalized it in a lot of ways and we're not having that shared reaction unless you go to a live event. Right. And I'm curious from your standpoint, do we, you've got story hour. Mm -hmm. Do you see a change or have you seen a change in how people participate in story hours or in author readings or things of that nature that more communal uh, book enjoyment? Yeah, I mean, that's story time is never, you know, things ebb and flow with that has always been, it's extremely popular. And since, you know, we've ramped all the way back up since COVID, um, we're adding more story times. We're finding also that parents now are home 
for a shorter amount of time when their kids are young. So by the time they're three, you know, some of them are off to daycare, preschool, so they're not able to come to our program. So we're seeing the babies, like baby, baby, like we have newborns come into the library to two-year-olds. Programs that we specifically have for that age, they're booming. Um, and it's also, like I talked about before, it's a way for um, families with kids that age to meet each other. Because a lot of times now, you don't have your built-in um, family around each other, you know, your extended family. People move, you know, people are all over the place. So it's a great way for them to make connections, which they do all the time. You see people like, hey, how old is your kid? And let's meet at the park next week and that kind of thing. So, so yes, um, and Joanna Higgins, who she does a program for the babies through two-year-olds, Shake Your Rattle and Roll Baby, she calls it. It's music-based. It's grown. She This summer, she has had as many as 125 people at this program. Yeah, on the front lawn. Yeah. And and just joyous singing, dancing, you know, it's it's amazing. And again, uh, that's the way people are meeting each other now. So So in your new role, are you gonna still uh, participate in the summer reading program? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it'll be it'll be a different. I won't be running it, so um, but I will be I'm sure I'll be puffing into programs and enjoying them. What made you apply for the new role? What what galvanized you to say, I'm ready? Yeah, I just, I like thinking about the big picture things. You know, I, I, I obviously love the kids, you know, department and everyone saying, aren't you going to miss the kids? And yeah, I will, but I'll still be there. I'll still be around. But I just felt like it was time. I, I want to, with the renovation coming and all these changes happening, I felt like I could be better utilized, you know, as the assistant to the director helping because she's going to be straight out with the renovation. Um, And I just, I like thinking about, you know, how we can get our word out, be, you know, get the community behind us in this process. Um, And I just thought it was, it was time for me for a new challenge for me. So one of the challenges when you matriculate as you are is that you have to backfill. What was it like interviewing and reviewing applications for a new children's library? It was a little surreal, a little bit, you know, a little bit bittersweet, but with the we have hired somebody already. She's amazing. Her name is Crystal Lisbon. She was the um, school librarian at Woodman Park School for several years, up until a few years ago. She's incredible. And I will say this, during the interview, I was blown away. And after I said to Denise, if there were a choice between me and Crystal, she wins, hands down. Like, if we were both going for this job now, I mean, she's incredible. So I just feel really good about this. And I also... I'm reminding people, I said, I will not be the person who says, this is the way we've always done it. I'm, you know, I'm going to be happy to say, because I know when I started, you want to put your own stamp on it. And you, we're always love when new people come in because you see things with fresh eyes. And that's, that's what you want. We, we've had a lot of new hires lately and it's amazing because people come in and like, why are you doing this? So like, I don't know. Why are we doing this? So. I will be, ha- I feel 
awesome about handing it over. And I think she's going to fit right in because the team we have there too, the four staff members in the children's room are incredible. And I think she's just going to seamlessly fit right in there. So yeah, she's, it was, it's great. And yeah, like I said, a little sad thinking, well, I'm, I'm not, every time something comes up, oh yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not doing that anymore. But I'm sure that you will find something to replace that with. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I will. So you're in this new position. Are there things that you are looking forward to that are challenges that you know of? Or, and are there things you think, that's going to be a challenge, and I don't really know what it's going to be a challenge with? In other words, there's the known unknown. How do you face those things? How do you continue to push yourself to grow at that level? Mm. Yeah, I mean... I, there are certain things I know, like the the budget end of it, you know, that I know is going to be a real challenge for me. But I'm willing to learn about it because I think that's, you know, it's key to what we, because as right now, again, it's, it's the difference between, okay, this is the way we've always allocated the money. Well, things are changing. Do we need to put this pot of money, all of this money towards this one thing that really doesn't make sense for us anymore? So, do we need to buy that second self checkout for Krista? Yes. Well, maybe we do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as the known unknown, yeah, I just I like to think I'm extremely flexible, and I like I like to see things and look at them and say, hmm, okay, let's let's think about this and say, or let's try this. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So, and I, you know, and I hope to support, which I feel like in my role, you know, my bosses have always been, yeah, you have an idea, go for it, try it. And I hope to be that way with the staff and just let people, you know, try new things and experience. And that's the only way you will grow and challenge yourself and find out what you don't know and see if you can make it a little better. So good. Well, I appreciate you coming in and talking with the listener today. Is there anything you want to wrap up with anything you want to share or uh, provide advice or a book recommendation for that matter? Um, well, let's see, I would just like to say I am very excited to start my new job. And I'm so grateful for my years at the library and really looking forward to bringing the library into the future. Book recommendation. I think we should all read this book. You belong here. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Right. This is. I'm very much focused on reading right now. I'm reading like three things at once. So the other one I'm reading is "Go Like a River," and I can't think of the author's name, but it's very good. Um, it's a newer book, but you've just come to the library. Go like, go like a river. I'm pretty sure that's the title. Well, I'm gonna throw one out to you. Okay. Um, and it probably doesn't need much much um plugging because the author is is a well-regarded non-fiction author and a, probably on a book list somewhere uh but the wager by david gran i just actually returned it earlier today okay um great book about british naval history and a mutiny and all the conflagulation that occurs around that it's fascinating fascinating okay. book and he wrote uh, Killer to the Flower Moon. And, oh, oh, okay. And the Old Man and the Gun, and a few other books that 
that have been well regarded. It's a great nonfiction author. Good. So if you like nonfiction. Yeah, I do love nonfiction, especially ones that, that read like fiction, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. White Darkness is the other book that he wrote, uh, which is about a um, expedition across the uh, Antarctic. Um, fascinating author. All right. Well, thank you. I will yeah. look that up. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Chris. With almost 400 years of history, Dover's got a lot to tell. Up next, Mike Gillis is going to walk us through what happened this week. This week in 1983, 16-year-old Kathy Skiro of Dover made headlines when she won the Avon Half Marathon at New York's Central Park. Skiro, who now goes by Kathy O'Brien, led nearly the entire 13.1-mile race and finished in 1 hour, 13 minutes, and 19 seconds, breaking the U.S. junior women's record for the half marathon by over two minutes. As the New York Times reported another runner commenting, O'Brien, quote, just kind of snuck in there and surprised many veteran runners with her performance. But Kathy's journey started much earlier, back in the halls of Dover High School, where she joined the track team in seventh grade. Her early strides in running were encouraged by Tom Dowling, a local runner who noticed her potential. Dowling encouraged her to join the Dover High cross-country team, fostering a nurturing ground for her budding talent. With the guidance of a mentor right in her hometown, Kathy carved out a name for herself, dominating the high school running scene in the early 1980s. The Avon Half Marathon at Central Park was just the beginning for the talented teenager. The following year, O'Brien qualified for the 1984 U.S. Olympic Trials in her very first marathon. Though only 16 years old, she finished ninth in the trials in Olympia, Washington, with a time of 2 hours, 34 minutes, and 24 seconds. That mark still stands today as the national high school record for the women's marathon. O'Brien would go on to compete in the Olympic trials two more times, in 1988 and 1992. Her third place finish in 1988, with a time of 2 hours, 30 minutes, and 18 seconds, qualified her for the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, where she placed 40th in the women's marathon. In 1992, O'Brien finished second in the trials and punched her ticket to the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. There, she was the top American finisher in the women's marathon, placing 10th overall. In addition to her Olympic appearances, O'Brien found success in numerous road races and track events throughout her career. Now retired from competition, O'Brien, who lives in Durham, continues to mentor up-and-coming runners. For a great retrospective of O'Brien's career, visit the New Hampshire Cross-Country and Track and Field website at nh.staterunning.net which is home to a comprehensive two-part series on O'Brien by Dover City Councilor Fergus Cullen, who also coaches the York High School girls cross-country team. O'Brien is also featured on a Faces of Dover plaque, now located at Henry Law Park, which recognizes the achievements of all of Dover's Olympians. Thanks for listening to the Dover Download this week. If you like what you heard, subscribe through your favorite podcast aggregator. And if you have something you want to hear a topic on, let us know. Finally, this is just one of the many ways we share information about the city of Dover. You can subscribe to the Dover Downloads email newsletter every week or other newsletters that we have by going to the City of Dover homepage, www.dover.nh.gov. Have a great week. Have a great week.